All right, welcome to Last Ones at the Bar. Again, it's the one-stop shop for all of your boxing needs. Um, we got the big show. Last night was a Sabado Gigante, a big night of boxing. Um, my name is Wilton Henry. And I'm LaVelle Jackson. Oh, yeah, Vail. Um, yeah, this is a huge week of boxing. Um, once you, you, you look and you saw, like, um, like, what was your overall impression? I, you know, I, I know I'm going off into this, like, really quickly, but what was your overall impressions of each card? Uh, I thought each card was, was, was very exciting. I think this was an interesting uh, night of boxing where most of these cards had some, some definite endings. There, you know, the interesting thing, and it's kind of sad that we take this for granted, but there weren't any, like, controversy last night wasn't too much controversy you know no scorecard controversy anything like that uh it, it was definitely a, an exciting night um yeah i agree I, um like when i saw at first you know like you said we stay so busy a lot but when i noticed that you had like the fight card on friday then you had all of that boxing i know here it was from two o'clock until like basically until midnight, you know, once I saw like all of the fights that was going to be coming on, man, I was over there smiling like Anderson Pack, you know what I'm saying? When I, when I, when I looked at all of the fights that was going to take place, but let's get off into it. So first fight that we're going to discuss is that Tank Davis, Leo Santa Cruz. What did you think about that? Oh man. Um, this fight, uh, it's, it's two ways that I look at this fight. I look at this fight as a, you know, a pure boxing fan. And as a sports fan, because it looks, it can look light and be two different things to, to two groups of people. Um, this fight went pretty much as, as much as we predicted it. it. It was like, as far as um, we all basically said, said that Tank would win this fight in that fashion that uh, Santa Cruz was tailor made for him. And unless Tank uh, cut corners as far as training, which he didn't, he came in in shape. Uh, he did what he had to do, so uh, it went. It, it it went the way I I thought it would go. It's just that how the ending happened was like wow. Like, um, I think it was the best possible outcome for Tank himself, because if, as a boxing fan, I mean, I, you know, he he took a little bit of criticism for Santa Cruz being an opponent. You know, Santa Cruz, you know, moving up in weight. Um, and it's, it's, it's better opponents for, you know, for Tank Davis right now. Um, but as far as uh, how the fight ended, I mean, he got the, the, the highlight reel knockout that he wanted. It's knockout of the year, actually, probably in my opinion. Um, Santa Cruz is pretty much tailor-made for him. We knew he was going to, you know, go in there and throw lots of punches and bunches and try to trouble Tank Davis and take him in. And Tank was eventually gonna uh, catch up with him, but I did see some interesting things in this in this fight. Um, some of the stuff I want to bring up, though, that I did see was uh, that Santa Cruz was able to, you know, troubling with a lot of shots. He was uh, Tank was getting getting hit a lot, and um, in my opinion, and also in the second round, for uh, it was interesting. I, when you know the, the moment where Tank grabbed Santa Cruz and you know threw him to the ground, I want to say Tank looked like he was you know kind of his. I, I want to say I don't want to say that Santa Cruz hurt him, but he 
probably guys attention there because i mean what other reason would you grab somebody not like like santa cruz grabbed him but you intensely grab somebody and pick him up and throw him after a punch unless you know it did something um but it was a great win for for tank as far as uh casual fans and, and things of that nature because he got everyone's attention he's he's trending on social media people are like wow this guy is like the next big thing he's big and all that and and as far as um where he goes from here i think he did what he had to do i mean he he's he's a, he's a star as far in in terms of casual fans uh it's very interesting because it's like people are saying he just arrived and he and out of um, Devin Haney, Ryan Garcia, um, Lopez, Stevenson, and even um, Vasily Lomachenko. Tank Davis turned pro for all of them, you know, and he and and Lomachenko was the only one who had a title before Tank. Tank has title for about four, four years, uh, three or four years. So it's interesting that that he's now he's getting to that pinnacle where he, he can get those fights. And and one of those things that, that that's scary about the fight that happened yesterday, it, it, that was almost Abner Mares. And that would have been a scary thing. You know, I think Abner Mares' eye injury, it probably was a blessing in disguise for him. Because, I mean, I wouldn't want to see, as a, as a boxing fan, I wouldn't want to see Abner Mares get hit with an upcut like that, you know, especially moving up in weight. Um, but I think Tank is, 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 is probably the most interesting where he goes from here because he does have that a racer of power that can, you know, translate. Uh, it can get him out of trouble whenever he gets into trouble. Um, so even when he, if he has these tough fights, because I think he, he's going to have a lot of tough fights, in my opinion. Uh, but when he has those fights, those things can bail him out. But also, um, for some reason, when I look at Tank's record, doesn't seem to face any a lot of slick boxers or movers. The the, the only one you can say that had you know could move and had speed was was really Gamboa, you know, and that's a particular version of Gamboa. So it's interesting that he's had those opportunities to fight those type of opponents, but his people kind of you know worry on it. Like we we saw that Tevin Farmer wanted to fight him, and we we, we see you know he has Devin Haney around him, and also. Gary Russell was calling him out. So there are some opportunities to fight some speedsters and, and boxers. And it seems like I don't know what the reason is, but um, he hasn't had those type of fights yet, which I want to see. Because Leah, because let's be honest, Leah Santa Cruz, his style was all tailor made for, for Tremonte Davis. The only thing that's surprising about it is, is that it was a one shot KO. Um, but I, I think. If, if the goal yesterday was to make Tank a crossover star, they're they're kind of on their way to succeeding. Whether you you love what they what they're doing with him or hate what they're doing with him, so uh, that's pretty much what I have to say about him. So, so what do you think about it? Uh, with that fight, I thought Leo was doing it was a good fight, man. You know, Leo was doing well. You know, until Tank landed that explosive, violent, that devastating left uppercut. Um, you know, like you said, we kind of already saw it coming, like when the fight was set up, because Leo, he gets hit flush. And I don't even know if, if Abner Morris would have caught something like that, because that's the problem with Leo, is that, you know, when you see him in those wars, those guys are, are touching, mm -hmm. you know what I mean? And you can't get hit 
um, like that with somebody uh, like Tank. Like the man was, I think Tank landed like fifty five percent of his mm-hmm. power shots. And you can't do that. That's um, that's that's going to be uh, you know devastating. It's going to end bad for you if you end up allowing him to touch you the way um, Leo Santa Cruz often gets touched by his opponent. Um, yeah, but like I said, it was, it was a good fight. You know, only thing that I'm upset about is that Tank didn't read him a bedtime story to <laughs> put him asleep. You understand me? But, um, like, where he goes from here, I would say that the interesting thing now, Tank is making weight. Now that you got all of those studs at 135, <laughs> now he, he makes 130 easy now. You know what I'm saying? It's not even a problem. Um, but, you know, he got a lot of stuff on the plate for him if he chooses to make those fights. I don't know. Another thing, too, that I want to say is that I like how Tank is starting to be able to handle himself in those press conferences. You see more of his personality and things like yeah. that uh, when he's talking and less of uh, Floyd Mayweather um, having to give his input. Like, he answers questions mm-hmm. when they ask him, you know, but he doesn't have to necessarily run the interview for Tank anymore. So, you know, what I would like for him to do, obviously, would be to fight those guys at 135, like fight a, a Lopez or Haney or even Ryan Garcia. And then if he's going to stay at 130, I want him to, you know, I would like to see him fight maybe, you know, Shakur or maybe Gary Russell at mm-hmm. 130. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a good fight. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all. all like I said, it's, like I said, it, it was pretty much t- tailor-made. I knew that um, he was going to – be too much for um, his opponent, um, Santa Cruz. But I just, the if, but I'm gonna tell you like this. To be honest with you, Tank is gonna have some trouble though. Like once he mm-hmm. step up the level of opposition, because he gets touched too much himself. You know, Santa Cruz really didn't have a problem. You know, landing pretty much anything that he was throwing. So it's gonna be interesting to see where he goes. It seems like they're gonna pick and choose the right opponents for him at the right time. Um, but like you say, that was something special for him because he's going to get a lot more people interested in this fight, coming to his fights, and even um, purchasing his pay-per-views. But the next fight that we uh, are going to discuss is that Usyk and Chisora. What do you think oh, about that? Yeah. Oh, yeah, before I get into that, yeah, I also was impressed with uh, how Tank uh, handled himself in a press conference. It, it was kind of surprising, showing some maturity that he's – you know, this fight, yeah, he, he made weight and also he handled the press conference in a, in a different type of way. He showed respect to Santa Cruz, and I was definitely impressed with that. Um, yeah. So, with the, uh, that said, with the Uzik versus uh, Chisora, uh, this fight was interesting too because it, it, it helped me to see where Uzik is at and how he would fare with heavyweights. Uh, honestly, I wasn't impressed. Uh, I thought I thought if this was his time to arrive, he would have made a, a bigger statement. Uh, we know Chisora is tough. You know he's that gatekeeper that can that can if you're not ready, he can beat you. Um, but if your goal is to you know compete with the the Furies, the Wilders, and you know he called out Anthony Joshua after that fight, if that's his goal, then I, I don't think he's ready for that. He, he should stick with cruiserweight. He I think the 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 problem with Uzig is. The Vander Holyfield comparisons, you know, they think he's, you know, because he's that good with cruiserweight, they think he can make a, a pretty decent heavyweight, um, and that's not necessarily the case. He, I think he should just move back down and make his legacy at cruiserweight. I don't think he's going to survive being at heavyweight. I mean, 
he fought a fight with Chisora that some thought were, was was close. You know, uh, he seemed even though he was winning, he seemed bothered by Chisora. You know, and it it just wasn't for me. It wasn't a, a impressive uh, victory. He, it seems like he doesn't have the power that's going to um, translate to the heavyweight division. And even though he has boxing ability, he doesn't move a lot like um, like Chris Bird. I know Chris Bird got a lot of um, you know flack for being a bulky heavyweight that can that moves and uses speed, and they can look at him as being boring, what have you. Uh, it worked for Bird because because he knew what he what he was up against, and he knew the only way he can win is to move and do that, and not er- everyone can do that. And it, it's more props to Chris Bird for doing that. But Uzik, in my opinion, I think he should move back down. He's not going to survive heavyweight. <laughs> so, what's your thoughts about that? Um, well, when the fight started, uh, it, it, I'm, I, like when Chisora fight, I always look at the, the mental part of the game, you know what I mean? And so when he came out, he came out to Hotel California by the Eagles. Now, that's a great <laughs> song, you know, but it kind of confused me when he came out to that. Usyk came out to a song that appeared to be from an artist, probably from the Ukraine, because I didn't understand where, um, like the words or anything like that. But I knew based on their, their interests that I was going to root for Usyk. You know what I mean? Because of the fact that I, it seemed like like everything with him, it's um, I wouldn't say calculated, but it just he has meaning to what it is that he's doing. And just sore seems to be like a little bit more all over the place mentally and psychologically sometimes. So um, Usyk is, is, is to me, I've never seen Usyk. He never impressed me, but he, he's he's not what I do like about him um, is that he's not going to beat himself. You know, and Chisora is not the type of person who's going to implement a game plan outside of just throwing those wide shots and come up with a strategy. Like, I didn't even see Chisora doing stuff like leaning on, on Usyk to tire him out or anything like that, doing big man stuff. You know what I mean? Where those are little things that you probably would need to do if you're fighting a smaller opponent. This is a second fight at heavyweight, you know. And like you said, Usyk doesn't have much pop in his punches. And the other thing that I, I noticed is that he doesn't make you pay when you like when Shashor is throwing those wild shots. It's a couple times he could have took advantage of that and he didn't. Um, he was just more so relying on Shashor to get tired, and Shashor was tired after the fourth round. Um, Usyk, he might have to take advantage of that 224 pound uh, weight class. Um, now I think he can be Anthony Joshua, and it's based on the fact that Joshua tires out a little bit. But Usyk, because Usyk could have stopped Chisora mm-hmm. yesterday. It was around the eighth round when Chisora, he, mm-hmm. he hurt him. But again, he just won't. I don't know if if he's ever going to do that at heavyweight. If he's just waiting, because maybe he thought he had him, he could get him just maybe the next round or two. But then Chisora kind of got a second win. But um, yeah, I don't think somebody who has a little bit more than what Chisora brings to the table, I think, would have got Usyk yesterday. And I would be concerned, you know, but at the same time, if he chooses his opponents wisely, he might be able to, you know, beat one of those guys like Anthony Joshua. Those other guys, I don't see him to beat. Um, but, yeah, it, it was a good fight. It was a good fight for him to gauge where he is uh, right now and then try to build from that victory. And I'm sure that he's going to – you know, implement some more things in this up-and-coming fights. Um, so, yeah, that's my take on that. What you think about the um, Jaime Mugia fight? <laughs> Jaime Mugia versus uh, Torino Johnson. Um, mm-hmm. 
I just like the ending. It was a nasty ending, you know. <laughs> if you didn't see it, you can YouTube it. Uh, Torino Johnson's lip got pretty much split open. It looked like a piece came out off off of it. Um, but other than that, it, it, that was an action packed fight. Also, uh, the interesting thing is, uh, it's an entertaining fight by 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 uh, Mangua, but at the same time, it's unimpressive because if you're if you're having that level of fighter touch you like that, it, it, it also it, it makes you it brings you to the point that I think a guy like uh, Jaime won his title a little too early. They wasn't. Uh, I believe he wants his, his title from uh, from Ali Saddam Ali, I believe. And that fight, um, it was a fight I believe he took on short notice, and he won that fight, and he won his title at 154. Um, and and I don't believe he was ready for that type to be a champion because we see his competition um, from then on on out. It hasn't been impressive, even when he he fights is not impressive. There have been talks of him versus. Uh, Triple G, which I thought for him that would be murder. Um, it's not that he can't improve or that he's, you know, not that good of a fighter. I think he has a, a lot to improve on, and I think he should be taking time to improve on that versus uh, take these fights. He, well, he should have been improving from, from from that, you know, from after that uh, Ali fight up until now. So if you throw him in there with the Wolves now, I, they're going to just – they're gonna chew him up and spit him out. I, I'm not impressed with the way he fights right now. But it was the ending, though. Yeah, <laughs> Go ahead. It's, it's a good ending, but yeah, and they had it like 59, 55, and on two cards, and it was 58, 56 for uh, McGee. I didn't see that. Like it looked like he, it was a much closer fight than that. Because Trina Johnson was bringing that, bringing it to him. But like you said, you know, the fight ended with that right uppercut and split Johnson's lip in the six. McGee. His defense mm-hmm. is non-existent right now, you know, and it, it hasn't improved. Like the last time I saw him fight, his defense was bad then, and he's still not improving in that arena. I think that he probably needs another trainer or something like that too. And then on top of that, like you said, uh, leading up to the fight, he was talking about trying to take on Triple G um, in 2021. And now nah, he needs to work on a few things before and tighten up a few things on, on his defensive end. Um, before he takes on a task like that or any other big fish at 160. He's not ready uh, right now. Um, if he fight Triple G or somebody like that, he's going to get embarrassed. But he's still young. I think he's like 23 years old. So um, go back to the drawing board, you know, uh, work on a few things, and he would be okay. I just don't, I don't see the skill there either. Like, he, he's missing a lot. But, again, he's so young that I think if they um, properly manage him that he could actually um, – you know, be okay. I don't see him ever like really beating one of those upper echelon like a Charlo, Andre, mm-hmm. Triple G, Canelo. You know, that'd be food for them. So, um, but yeah, that's all I have for that. Um, yeah, yeah, and also, yeah, we had an, another another pound for pound uh, fighter who was in the top ten. Well, was in my top ten. Uh, he had a fight yesterday. Uh, he had a fight against uh, Jason Maloney, and that that top five fighter I'm talking about is Naoi Inui. Um, a lot of people haven't heard about him because he's under you know bantamweight. You know, a lot of guys who are small or under featherweight, they don't always get that notoriety. Um, 
but he's an interesting fighter. Um, what are your thoughts on that, Will? Did you uh, see that? Were you able to catch that fight? Yeah, I caught all them fights, man. But before I even address that, let me go ahead and give a shout-out to Isak Cruz, too. Isak Cruz knocked out um, a fella named Magdalena on the first round okay. of that PBC card. And then Regis Progre, he had that third-round K over over uh, Juan Haraldez. Mm-hmm. Um, and he missed weight yesterday, too. I don't know if he'd been eating the BAs <laughs> up in the French Quarter out there in Louisiana. Um, and then Mario Barrios, too, won a six-round TK over uh, TKO win over uh, Ryan Call. Um, and he ended up getting a, the guy he was fighting with seven and zero, but he ended up winning some type of belt. <laughs> I'm like, man, they just handing these belts out to everybody. But to answer your question about a new way, new way, man, he's he's uh, real good, man. He's he got some serious skills. Um, and uh, Maloney, that was the first time I've seen him. And I know when I sent the message out in the text, you said that he's gonna carve him up. I, I've never seen him before, but what I can say about him, he's pretty good too. He's a solid opponent. Um, it's just a new way is a monster right now, and I just want to see a new way fight. Get somebody that can give him a go, kind of like Donaire did, because um, mm-hmm. he deserves that type of, you know, opponent. You know, especially at this stage of his career, he's, he's going into his prime. He's like 27, 28 years old. So you want to see him fight against the upper echelon opponents. But it was a solid victory, um, from what I saw. Yeah, I agree. It was a solid victory. Um, I kind of knew what was going to happen. Uh, it's kind of Maloney style, but also the fact that I don't think Maloney was ready for that type of step up. Um, I mean, we're talking about I knew he's the, knew he's the guy to beat, and Maloney up to this point. I, I mean, I've seen him fight on on uh, some cards, um, and while he does some things good, and he he, he can he can um, box and and be impressive, it, it's just that I think it was too soon for him to take on a point like that. I think I think he had um, there's a lot more other fighters he could have fought. Um, in my opinion, I, th- I think the next step from from that he should have fought was probably a, a, a Isaac Do- Dog Bay um, at 122. I think that would have been a better fight for him before Anui. Uh, he just wasn't ready, and and Anui was just he caught him with that actually with an uppercut, <laughs> kind of similar punch to uh, to Tank, uh, ex- except uh, Maloney tried to get up and he just couldn't, and, and that's it. Um, Anui, I'm not sure where he goes from here. Um, it's, it's always fights on the table for him. I'm kind of hoping that <laughs> uh, Roman Gonzalez or Estrada uh, and that crew kind of move up. Because um, Anui, I think he still can move down to Bantamweight, and, and they can probably work something out. Or Anui can move up to Featherweight. I think that would be interesting, too. Um, but I'm not sure if he, if he has the size for that. Uh, but it's interesting. Uh, I, I I know he's a, he's a real monster. I like him. Um, we'll see what what happens from here. So on to the next is another fight that's coming up. Um, this one's gonna be interesting. Um, we got Shakur Stevenson versus Abner Maris. Um So what are your thoughts on that, Will? What you what you see going on? What what you see happening with this one? No, I think that's a good, appropriate. You know, Shakur has been fighting and beating opponents that are appropriate for the stage that he is in his career right now, and I think that this fight would be another good gauge for where he's at. And so, um, Abner Mares, right now, he's 34 years old. He's not a huge puncher. Um, he's been in some wars. He's a little past his prime, a little long in the tooth. So, I think that that would be something that Shakur can handle. Um, and you know, 
you see where he goes from there. Just very good stepping stone fight. So I, I like the matchup. Yeah, I think this matchup is really, really good for Shakur. It's a step up. It's a it's a big name that you know the boxing community know. Uh, if you see if if, if the casual observer uh, turn on PBC cars, they 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 they, they see Abner Marez talking, they know who he is. So it, it's some you know name recognition there. Um, of course, Abner is you know thirty four. He's he's probably physically older because of the uh, you know the wear and tear that he's taking. Um, I mean, we talking about a guy who fought in a bandweight tournament when. Big Darchinian was fighting, so I mean he's been he's been through it a lot. So he's very experienced, he's a very experienced veteran. Shakur should learn a, a lot from that fight. It's actually a a better fight, even though I don't think Abner could can beat Shakur Stevenson. I feel better about this fight as a boxing fan than uh, the the Javante Davis versus Abner Marez that was discussed. Uh, that uh, I just don't want to see anything like that. Um, but yeah, it's gonna be a Pretty decent fight. Uh, Abner, he always brings it. He doesn't have a lot of power, but, you know, he's, he's skilled. He's, you know, has boxing ability, has an IQ. He's a seasoned veteran. Uh, I mean, he, he he's going to give Shakur a good go. And this is Shakur's moment to show the world how special he is. If Shakur could could make uh, something special happen, I mean, he'll show the world. I, I am the top notch of all, all the prospects y'all are talking about. Okay. Yeah. So, um, moving away from like the potential fights and the recaps, and we'll we'll talk more about a couple more upcoming fights. But I just want to transition real quick. It was some situations going on with Hearn and Kill Brook, and Brook was saying that um, Hearn, you know, has a lack of loyalty towards him, and then Hearn responded by saying, "Don't talk to him about being loyal because." You know, he turned his back on him because he had to get him fights like Jojo Dan and Vizier and Rapchenko and, and things of that. What do you think about the situation going on with Kel Brook uh, and uh, Eddie Hearn? I think for, for Kel Brook, and even British fighters in general, sometimes you, you, I think they have a habit of sticking with Eddie Hearn because he's British. But, but I think um, – at some point, sometimes you got to shop yourself around. I mean, we talked about this with, you know, with Terrence Crawford and, and, and other fighters. Um, if, if Eddie Hearn is acting like he has a monopoly on British fighters. You got to show him that that that's not the case. Um, in my personal opinion, I, I think <laughs> all uh, boxing promoters are shady. You know, they, they're they going to they're going to they're businessmen. So they're going to look out for their own interests. Uh, a side note on myself, I, I don't that's the, I don't like any type of salesperson. I mean, I had a salesperson try to sell me some windows yesterday, and it's very uncomfortable because I can't stand them. I don't trust salespeople. They're all I feel I personally feel like they're trying to like look for vulnerabilities and weaknesses in, in what you're saying and try to capitalize on it. And and the same thing with with, with promoters and businessmen and boxing promoters. They're trying to capitalize off vulnerabilities and weaknesses and, and to try to get the most bang out of their buck. They're businessmen. Nothing necessarily wrong with that. It's just that they're not people to be trusted. They're not people to have a a high moral ground. I mean, all of them, in my opinion, have and to, as a boxing fan have participated in you know uh, fights being swayed particular ways. And, and, and fighters being intimidated in, in certain ways, either financial wise or phys physicality wise. Um, 
if Kel Brook wants to, wants to leave, he's he's free to do so. I think he's kind of at the end of his rope, and probably at the end of his career. So um, it's hard to see where where he, where he goes from here. Um, but if he wants to, if he wants to make that last few paydays, I mean, he can. Um, I know you know more about this situation than I do. So so, what are your thoughts on that, Will? Uh, I think Brooke is is maybe the worst managed fighter. Definitely um, one of the worst in British history. And he's one of the worst just in history in the last 10, 15 years, I would say. Because they ruined Brooke when they put him against um, Golovkin. And, um, like, but it's, it's, to Eddie Hearn's credit, he's done a really good job with AJ. So that that's his poster child. But at the same time, with pretty much everybody else, He's he's not really um, done well. Like with AJ, they they got him the right right matchups at the right time. You know, got him the right paydays and things like that. But I think the reason why um, Matchroom doesn't do well is because they have guys who are not really they don't know boxing. I think they are good like accountants where they just know how to manage their books and budget sheets and you know things like that on paper. You know, they're gonna make sure that they're gonna make money you know, with their events and things like that. But at the same time, they don't know boxing. And so um, as far as Hearn saying that Burke isn't loyal to him, he had to get him the Bizier fight, the Rapchenko and Jojo Dan fight. I don't think that that's true. I honestly don't. Because once Brooke beat Porter, Brooke was in line for those guys. He was pretty much the top welterweight. And I remember Thurman saying something like that. And at that moment, that was when Brooke was supposed to sign with PBC. If he would have signed with PBC, he would have had all of those fights. Like you would have seen him fight Garcia. You would have seen him fight Thurman. You would have seen him fight uh, maybe even uh, a Pacquiao or somebody like that. But when he went up to uh, – when he stayed with um, Hearn, remember, he was supposed to fight Jesse Vargas. And so what happened was that they were lowballing um, Brooke and they were going to get Jesse Vargas to like around a million or something like that. And Brooke was going to take less, but Brooke was the A side. Like it didn't make any sense. So it made sense for Brooke not to take that fight. But at the same time, um, he was really like in demand. Like people wanted to see Brooke fight against those other guys. Um, and so they really messed his career because after, and why would you put, somebody who's in high demand like that against man at that time triple g was at his peak triple g was breaking bones like you you didn't want to see like a middleweight didn't want to fight triple g at that time so why would you put a, a welterweight up against him at that time and i know it was because um that other um guy he pulled out of the fight and so um Hearn didn't want to lose money, so he put Brooke, he asked Brooke to go ahead and take that fight. And that's where Brooke is saying that he was being loyal to Hearn at that time. But he shouldn't have done that because that really, he busts his orbital bone. And he's never really been the same after that fight. Now, a case study that you can look at in, in terms of, because you could say, well, why sign with PBC? You could say that. But if you look and use, um, what's his name, DeGale, um, as James DeGaulle, use him as a case study. Remember when James DeGaulle was with Eddie Hearn, look at the level of opposition he was fighting. And then once he went to PBC, he was, wasn't anything but big fights. You know what I mean? And he was making really good money. And so I think he should have took that approach. That same At that same time, he should have moved on 
and then um, I think his career would have panned out much better. Yeah, you're right. I don't, I don't disagree with that there. Um, it, it definitely was a wrong move by him, um, especially doing that loyalty. He could have just said, no, I'm not doing this. I'm not fighting this fight. Uh, it almost it almost feels like that, what we just saw yesterday, you know, and, and that wasn't a, a loyalty type issue. But the whole per- point of, you know, a smaller fighter moving up whose style plays right into the hands of the bigger fighter. And, and that's a, a, a more a harder thing than, than seeing a fighter move up who has certain advantages, you know? Mm-hmm. And, and you know, you, you know why I didn't really like, it was, it was, that was a devastating knockout, but part mm-hmm. of me, um, like Leo, Leo, see, that's the thing that guys got to understand that sometimes you, it's better to fight like stiff competition inside your division. Um, even when you don't have the advantages over guys like Leo Santa Cruz, he was ducking mm-hmm. Rigo at one point. He was, he was, he was avoiding a Gary Russell fight. You know what I mean? And so I think with Tank, what he saw was, you see how Tank looked against Gamboa. And Tank also had trouble making weight at 135. So he's thinking that if he can bring him down, and he was looking that bad at 135 against Gamboa, I can take that guy. You know what I mean? I think that that was what was going on through his mind. And as the fight progressed, that he's going to lose steam, and then I'll be able to come on. And so that he was looking at it from that standpoint. His family was looking at it from that standpoint. But it ended up biting him in the butt because he never really fought. Like, he would have been more prepared had he been fighting guys like a, a Rigo or something like that, even if you take the loss. You know what I mean? Sometimes a loss is a game because you, you see, like, little um, intricacies that guys do, and you can build on that. He wasn't prepared. He never fought anybody like Tate. Yeah, you know, yeah at some I agree point, with that. And, but that – and. Uh, the bit of poetic justice there is that could be the same. I see something similar happen to Tank because uh, I know we're going kind of off the questions, but yeah, Tank is, I mean, we real here, but Tank is uh, the type of fighter who has power that can move up. I mean, his power can 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 go up and wait with them. And what happens with, with, with boxers who have that type of power, sometimes they, they tend to lax and believe too much into that power because because eventually tank is going to run to someone who can move away from that power either move box or can just be happen to be able to take that shot we've seen it many plenty of times with boxes who have crazy amount of power uh that is, is always someone who can just take a shot and, and, and no, nothing seems to hurt them and and how they respond in in that instance is what determines how good they really are um so um Tank's level opposite level of opposition at this point. I mean, if he doesn't really take it up, he has a great opportunity to go through 135. I mean, even if he loses one of those fights, I think. I mean, he's a. I mean, right now he's a star, so he can make a lot of money. I mean, this could be. A, he's. It's funny how we look at these guys that are being young, but Tank is. Is he'll be. What, he's 25. He'll be 26 before the end of the year. You know, so uh, he's at his physical prime. It's time to make those fights. I agree, I agree, but see, and that's the same thing. You know, you, you're absolutely right. You hit it on the nose. Is that Tank? I think by now he should have taken the Tevin Farmer fight. You know, Tevin Farmer is going to be tricky, where you got to figure him out, and that's going to help him gain the experience once he does fight somebody like mm-hmm. a um, 
uh, Devin Haney, uh, Tiafimo Lopez. Like those dudes are going to have some tricks up their sleeve for him that he's not going to be prepared for because he didn't take those other fights. He didn't take mm-hmm. the Gary Russell fight. He had advantages over those guys if he fought them, but at the same time, they got like like I said, got little tricks and things like that that you learn. But you have to go through that fire, and then once you come out on the other side, you are much better. You know what I mean? You might not look good, but at the same time, you're like, oh, okay, that's what he was doing. And so if somebody else attempts to do that, you'll have a game plan for that. But you know, like I said, I think at the, at the end of the day, because even that fight, that Santa Cruz fight, we know as true boxing fans that that wasn't about nothing. <laughs> you really didn't do anything with with that fight, but to the masses, they're going to look at that and be like, oh, man, he, and they know Santa Cruz's name. You know, he got the name recognition, so they're going to make it out to be more than what it is. But it could really be fool's go because you fight somebody else who's really, um, like, as far as skill-wise, not necessarily skill-wise, but from, a um, like, a tactical standpoint, they're going to bring something else to the table who doesn't have the name recognition. And you might end up losing to one of those guys because you didn't properly prepare yourself, mm-hmm. you know, in the past. But let's, you know, we can keep going on and on about that stuff. You don't want to have this show, you know, go longer than it has to be. But speaking of another topic that's similar to what we just discussed, what do you think about Bob Aram uh, suggesting, uh, his suggestion um, as far as opponents for Tiafimo Lopez? <laughs> uh, he kind of left out Devin Haney. I think it's unfortunate for Devin Haney because he's kind of in a bad spot. He's not as in a bad spot as uh, Andrade. Uh, but I don't know if it has something to do with him being with the zone or what, because uh, Javante Davis is also not his team is not mentioned Devin Haney neither, and they're and Davis is closer to that particular team, you know, even though he's with the zone. I mean, we we see how close he is with Floyd Mayweather, and that you know he pretty Devin Haney should be in he the, the irony is Devin Haney should be in the best spot because you know he knows all those guys he sparred with all those fighters um and he's in and he's pretty much at a, at a neutral like uh promotional company where those fights can be made but it's interesting that his name doesn't get mentioned you know uh like for his well with teofimo lopez i know what the the 140 thing is that that is that there's something about him making 135. I don't think they believe that he can keep on making 135 too, for too long. I think that's part of that. Um, but when you go to 135, right now, it's, it's uh, the best fight to be made, like right now, if it was just to be made right now, it's Teofimo Lopez versus Monte Davis, you know, because, you know, Davis just has his breakout performance that got all the sports fans talking, you know, Teofimo, and it, it, it comes like a week after Tiafimo Lopez just made his statement, so, um, so that that that, that fight is it, it's instant steam, and Devin Haney doesn't have that victory that people can really look at. And it's kind of unfortunate because I think Devin Haney's more talented than, than, than all of them. You know, he has ability to be all of them, in my opinion. I like I like the way he his mindset about boxing. He doesn't cut corners. He's always in shape. He's not struggling to make weight half the time he's not out uh getting in trouble and partying all that i mean he has a good team behind him uh his father kid you know he has his father in his life who cares about him wants him to to progress um i think in the long run Devin haney is gonna have could could have a better career because he, he has all those things that's, that's working for him it's just that he's at a 
a point where the it's, it's, let's be real, those guys are, are not going to be in a rush to fight him. Another side note: uh, What did what did Gary Russell do to tick off those promoters or PBC or what have you? What did he do? Because it's funny because we just saw a fight with two of the people he'd been calling out. <laughs> they don't fight him. They're like, oh, we'll fight each other. <laughs> but enough of that. Uh, yeah, I feel um, right now, as far as money-wise and popularity-wise, Javante Davis and, and Teofimo Lopez, that seems to be the fight right now. And, of course, Ryan Garcia is this social media guy who everyone loves on social media. He has the looks that is getting you know women into boxing and all that. Um, but I still have hope, even with what's being said about about people ducking who or this person's not on my radar. I have more faith that these guys in 135 are going to fight more than 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 just about any other weight class. I, I really have hope and faith that this, it's going to happen because all these guys are young enough that that eventually they're going to see one another. So, what are your thoughts? Yeah. No, man, to me, the biggest fight there, like, regardless of, because I'm not looking at, like, the who has the Instagram people, um, followers, and all. Uh, the best fight right now, mm-hmm. to me, is Lopez versus Haney. And I'll tell you why. Because Haney wants those guys. I don't hear um, Cervante Davis <laughs> saying that he wants any of those guys. So I'll let my team. So he, He's not even talking about them, right? So, and he's saying that he's at one thirty now. So, okay, that he, he's he, so he, he's really telling you that he's not in a rush mm-hmm. to do that. But Haney is. Haney wants those guys. I see him getting in the ring with Ryan Garcia. Let's make it happen. I see him calling out Teofimo Lopez. I see him call him. So he wants that fight. So to me, the best soldier is going to be a volunteer. He wants it. So you mm-hmm. go ahead and allow him to get what he's asking for. And seems like Lopez wants to fight too. Now, um, to me, I think what they're doing is like Bob Arum is scared of the fact that he doesn't want to have to deal with another Mayweather type person. So if Haney ends up beating Lopez, then they have to, he can't really sell Lopez the way he would want to sell him with that loss to Haney in his eyes. And then Haney becomes the man. That's going to be very difficult to deal with in terms of bargaining and things like that. So if I keep my carrot over here and, you know, I can, you know, choose these other guys. Let, let me let me explain this a little bit uh, even better because I'm looking at direct quotes what Bob Aram says. He said that um, Haney uh, <laughs> fights on a platform that doesn't reach anybody. He said the zone platform mm-hmm. is virtually has no subscribers, right? So then, but then he goes on to say, um, then he said, right now, Haney doesn't have the eyeballs that other guys do. And then he said, but Garcia and Davis does. Well, Garcia fights on the zone too, buddy. <laughs> that don't make sense. So how are you going to say all of that? It just, it, it, it really doesn't, to me, it doesn't make sense. And the other thing is, like I say, Davis is not showing interest in fighting those guys. I never hear him have those guys' name come out of his mouth. And so to me, it just doesn't, doesn't make sense. It's not adding up. It's the same thing. He's showing you the salesman. Obviously, he don't – Bob, either he's getting old as I don't know what. Um, some, something's not right because this it, – it just doesn't add up when you look at the words that he's saying. Um, it's just you, – you, you get the impression that he's just trying to avoid having Lopez fight Haney. And I hate it because that is a fight 
that needs to be happening. When you got two young guys that's eager like that, two young guys that's as talented as they are, they need to mix it up, man. Let them boys go. Let them boys do what it is that they need to do. Yeah, and uh, the next fight is going to get made for Javante Davis. It might not be the next fight, but it's, it's going to come now. It's Javante Davis versus Vasily Lomachenko. <laughs> Seriously, bank on that. No, I was going to say, they better not. I yeah, but, like, oh, you know, you get, you, sometimes uh, you get that type of uh, knockout and right everybody talking. It's like, you're like, oh, okay. I think I can, you know, this dude lost to to to, to Tiafimo Lopez. You know, I, I, if I catch him, I can I can stop him. You know, I, I can see that fight coming up next. Really, you know, because you know Lomachenko, mm-hmm. you know, he kind of lost something from that. You know, he 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 lost a couple from that loss. And you know, Javante Davis, he's gaining a little traction. Uh, first, it, it almost seemed like his people were unsure. You know, of, of a fight with with, with uh, Lomachenko. Now, whether he can beat him or not, I feel like his confidence is going to grow, and he's like. It's not a bad fight now to make. <laughs> I was I would think that like based on what I'm seeing with Floyd and how they wanna uh and how they move in tank, it's gonna depend on what Ryan Garcia looks like in this next fight. If he looks like <laughs> he has some vulnerabilities, like you said you think he may have some chin issues. If he showed any inkling of having some of those problems, especially with his chin, I think that that's the fight that they would set up next. Because Ryan Garcia does out of all of those guys, <laughs> if you look on social media. He has so many followers on Instagram. Like, it's crazy. So I can see them making that fight, or they're going to cherry-pick something else um, for Tank at 130. Um, but, yeah, so you got another fight that's supposed to be coming up between Chocolatito and uh, Estrada, that rematch. What, what do you think uh, will happen yeah, in I that? I think this is uh, if, probably if still one of the rematch. best fights that can be made <laughs> under uh, 118. Um it's funny because, yeah, this fight is going to be different from the first fight, in my opinion. I think Estrada's on a roll. I mean, um, if you had him as, as, as in the top 10 pound for pound list, it seems like he's improved since that first fight with Chocolatito. But then again, Chocolatito, it seems like he needed, maybe he was being burned out a few years ago. He needed that little bit of rest, and he's coming on, you know, stronger. He's like, it seems like he's he's a little bit more refreshed. Uh, I think this rematch is going to be a, a classic fight. Uh, I think that fighters at that weight class they don't always get the props that they you know deserve. You know, their size and all that. Um, like shout out to uh, Mark Shark Johnson. You know, guys like that. You know. Uh, Roman Gonzalez and you know Nadito Donaire, Victor Chingin, those guys, um, they're just as exciting as, as 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 any other you know lightweight, welterweight, middleweight, but they never got that notoriety, you know. Um, so shout out to you know Estrada and Chocolatito for for making that fight. I think it's it's gonna be another classic fight. I got Estrada uh, winning that fight. Um, he's on a roll. I, I think he he's he's grown a little bit since that first fight with uh, Gonzalez. I think it's gonna be a classic fight of the year, and Estrada is gonna stop him late in that fight, probably eleventh or twelfth round. I think he's gonna overpower Chocolatito, use that his 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 natural size, and he's gonna eventually break him down, stop him. So, uh, what are your thoughts on that upcoming fight, um, Wilton? Um, I think 
uh, I, I checked them out. I, I saw the first fight when we were doing our uh, pound for pound list uh, earlier um, when our okay. other episodes. And I think that's our 15th episode, man. So congratulations on that. Um, but yeah, I think because even in that fight, Estrada was much was younger. He was, you know, like that was like his first big step up fight. And really early on, he was giving Chocolatito all he could handle. But Chocolatito figured it out. Um, and then down the stretch, he ended up taking over and winning a pretty close decision. But I think now Estrada's a lot more seasoned. He got a lot more confidence. And um, I think mm-hmm. Chocolatito might be on the, on the downside a little bit too. So I expect the same thing. I think he'll either win by a convincing uh, 12-round decision or he might get a stoppage on old Chocolatito. I was hearing somebody say that, um, you know, Chocolatito, he might lose this fight but um that don't mean he's overrated and that doesn't mean that he wasn't the number one pound for pound you know fighter you know when they had him listed as pound for pound i think it's a combination of both because i think he was the number one pound for pound fighter but i do also think that they had overrated him too and why i say that is because espn had him in the top 25 of the past 25 years i don't think he was that good but i do think at the time um i don't think uh Lomachenko was where he's at or where he became. And I don't think uh, Terrence Crawford was there just yet himself. And Ward may have just retired or something like that. So he was the number one fighter pound for pound at the time. But again, I think he was overrated from the standpoint Uh, of being ranked so high. I I can respect that. I I agree with that because there's a difference between being in the top 10 pound for pound, even being number one pound for pound. It's a lot of number one pound for pound fighters if you look at the list, who are not the, not even close to the 25th, 25 greatest fighters of all time. I mean, uh, at some point, you can argue that, you know, De La Hoya at one point was, you know, a pound pound number one. And he's not, no, he's, in my opinion, he's not close to the number, you know, the 25 greatest fighters of all time. It's, it's interesting because with those rankings, you got, you got to take it with a grain of salt because I've seen some weird rankings. <laughs> I've seen some very, very weird rankings where, I've seen Mike Tyson in the top 10 fighters of all time, like not heavyweights, just boxers of all time. And one thing I, I will I will say is that not everyone who does those rankings are people who watch boxing. A lot of them are just sports fans. And there's nothing wrong with being a sports fan or nothing like that, but it's like, just like I watch, I watch a lot of sports. I watch basketball, but I, I'm not, I'm not knowledgeable enough to start ranking, you know, the top, 25 basketball players of all time. I have a, I, I might have uh, ideas of who should be there and it'd be correct, but I'm going to be off too because I, I don't, I'm not a basketball, I don't follow basketball to the extent that I follow boxing like that. So I, I think when I, when I look at some of these rankings, I've learned to, to, to just take it with a grain of salt because some of it is kind of, and I don't claim to be some boxing historian or, or some guy who, who, knows so much about boxing and all this and that. But some of them is like, I, I just have to respect that they're, they're just not on my knowledge level like that. And, and that's okay. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes sometimes some of those uh, writers or whoever create those, sometimes you get caught up in a moment too. You know what I'm saying? At that time. Because to no. me, like, if I look at Chico, oh. he's not better oh. than Ricardo Lopez was. Ricardo Lopez was a bad boy. And, um, and, and, like I say, as far as getting caught up in the moment, you mentioned basketball. Like, I listened to uh, Max Kellerman. He was talking <laughs> about how Kawhi Leonard was a better closer than Kobe Bryant. And I'm like, that is, come on, dog. Like, you can, you might even look at some st- statistics and it may say, well, Kawhi Leonard 
hit more shots or he had a better percentage or something like that. But when you look at the eye test of what Kobe was doing, then it's no way that you even make that suggestion that he that Kawhi was a better closer. So some people, I don't know, they may look at certain statistics. And then also when you look at certain things, you got to factor in who the competition of who's playing against who. You know what I'm saying? Like, and who's fighting against who? So if I'm looking at a guy who's fighting mediocre opposition, but the other guy that you're saying he's better than was fighting some killers, and then it's like you can't even compare the two because of the level of opposition. But now we can go on and on about that. But we, we it's a couple other things we want to touch on, and I think uh, you want. Yeah, to we have an upcoming Fury, fight with uh, Tyson Fury versus Carlos, uh, Carlos Tackum. Um, this is interesting. Fight. I don't. I don't really like this fight. To be honest. I mean, but it's funny. One thing I, I predict is going to happen in this fight is is Fury is not going to look impressive in this fight. It seems like he needs an uh, opponent to uh, get him motivated. And Carlos uh, Takam is not that guy. I mean, tough guy, which is just 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 not something. It's not a fight that's that's going to prove anything personally for me. I agree. Yeah, it's the same way. But I'm I'm interested to see what's going to happen with this, uh, the allegations of what Wilder is saying as far as those gloves. Because if you look at that fight, it is fishy, man. Like that, you don't hit people like that. And you don't have your um, hand like where the lacing and stuff is. And he was hitting Wilder like that. And you see like the abrasions and things like that on Wilder's face. So I'm interested to see what's going to happen once they do a full, thorough investigation on that incident. As far as this fight is concerned, I mean, you know, what is it, a stay-busy fight? I don't know. But Carlos Tiger, mm-hmm. he fought well against Anthony Joshua. He fought well against Derek Chisora until Chisora caught him uh, late and put him out. Um, you know, he, he's a tough, rugged guy, but I don't think, like, skill-wise, I don't think he's going to bring anything to the table to defeat a Tyson Fury. And, um, like I say, I think in boxing right now, you got so much momentum going that guys need to, I mean, they just need to put on more bigger events, you know, especially for Tyson Fury. Because Tyson Fury is not one of those guys. Like, you just mentioned Mike Tyson. You could throw Mike Tyson in against anybody. He's going to look amazing, and it's going he's going to get the Tank Davis treatment. Like, oh, man, you see that knockout? I don't care who you put him in there with. So it, he can have a showcase like that. Fury, he's not going to make himself more appealing to – um, an audience or people like casual fans that they just see him fight against the Carlos Tackle. Like, you got to put him against a, a Wilder, against mm-hmm. a Joshua, or even a Luis Ortiz or somebody like that, <laughs> you know? So, I don't like the fight. Um, and then moving on yeah, to the last time, we uh, we gonna sc- oh, Black, Black Lives Matter belt. <laughs> yeah, I'm Black gonna, Lives hey, Matter. Hey, hey, check it out. I'm going to let you cook on that. I don't have any. Number one, who thought this up and why they thinking that? They could have picked any other belt. Like, what they should have picked is the old, the old man title, the the the, the OMT championship. <laughs> That's what they should pick. And it's like it's just, it's just, it's just so silly. Uh, you know, it's funny with it about about that about this fight between Tyson and uh, Roy Jones is that it got people who don't watch boxing talking about it. You know, they're talking about Nate Robinson being on the undercar, which is funny because I think Nate Robinson is going to watch the YouTuber. <laughs> it's funny. Um, but Black Lives Matter yeah. belt is just, you know what? The less I talk about this, the better. You know? <laughs> I think I, I, it's, just, it's just too silly. It's just 
too gimmicky, and it's and it's kind of sad that this is going to be one of the biggest boxing events of the year. But right, and and on top of that, it's like it's <sighs> contributing to the problem that we already have with too many belts out there. You know what I mean? Then a week before they introduced the two hundred and twenty-four pound weight division belt. Yeah. And so, like I said, they're just going too far with. <laughs> yeah. Um, it, what's next? Like, uh, like, the winner versus Chris Bird. And, and, <laughs> hey, Chris Bird. Yeah, that, that's going to be interesting to see what he does. But I, don't, I hopefully Chris Bird uh, decides not yeah. to come back because, and he, he's looking like he's in really good shape. I remember him looking like that about ten years ago. He came back and he tried to drop down to either light heavyweight or something like that. Maybe even one sixty eight. Yeah, somebody take his head off. Uh, almost. Uh, you know, I almost took his head. Uh, yeah. yeah uh, Anything else you want to Danny. Um, I know y'all, people listening, uh, you know, hear our, our third man on air. Uh, he's still with us. You know, he just has some scheduled conflicts. Um, he, he He's the one who, who makes us uh, have the sound that we have. You know, he's almost like our producer, our editor. Um, so um, he's still with us, still on the team, you know. Shout out to, uh, to 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 Danny Lee, you know. Oh yeah, absolutely. Danny Lee is the jack of all trades, man. Um, but yeah, only thing I say is this show comes out on Monday. You know, as you watch, hopefully you enjoyed this episode just like the others. We got fifteen of them. Um, Tuesday, make sure you get out there and vote if you haven't done so already. And the last thing I'm gonna say is, you know, we'll be back in a week. And if you listen to other podcasts and not Peace. listen to ours. Then you just back in 